0: Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs.
1: Welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm joined. I'm Tina Spring, and I'm joined today by Julie Fudge Smith and our very special guest Ryan Yamka, who um, is well. He's just a guru in nutrition and both veterinary. you know, companion animals and humans. So we thought we would invite him back today to talk about the DCM or the dilated cardiomyelopathy um, concerns that have um, now been eclipsed by COVID-19. But, but in the animal industry, there's been lots of what I like to say is monkeys slinging poop um, about grain-free and this very special heart disease and the data that came out from the FDA and our poor vets get hoodwinked in the whole thing and consumers freak out and there's all sorts of craziness. And so I wanted to invite Ryan on to chat with us about that so that maybe we have a little more uh, settled information about what's going on and what it all means and maybe what that means for our companion animals.
0: Well, thanks for having me.
2: So,
1: Ryan, why don't you give us,
2: uh, if you can, sort of a, a brief history of what's going on? Why did this suddenly launch onto the horizon? Sure.
0: sure. So, um, first off, uh, dilated cardiomyopathy is is a heart disease found in dogs, um, and and it can be for many reasons. Um, there, there could be toxicity effects, could be nutritional effects, uh, could be genetic Um, And lastly, there's a group uh, called Idiopathic, which is a fancy way of saying I don't know or unknown causes. Um, But it all started back with a golden retriever study that was going on with UC Davis where they noticed um, some of the dogs were having prevalence in uh, dilated cardiomyopathy or I'll call it DCM going forward so I don't stumble and fumble across the words. Um, and so, what they did was they reported it rightfully so to the FDA that hey, we're seeing an uptick. Um, and but what they thought they were seeing was they were seeing that hey, this group of dogs were being fed uh, grain free foods, um, and it wasn't one particular food uh, at the time. Um, as uh, people started becoming more aware of what was going on um, and started noticing uh, or raising concern. Uh, Unfortunately, one uh, of the leading researchers uh, dubbed the term uh, BEG, uh, which was tied to DCM, and BEG was uh, an acronym for Boutique Exotic Proteins and Grain-Free Foods, Uh, and from there, uh, I'll call the snowball, you know, started rolling down the hill and gaining momentum and, and, and getting bigger, bigger, bigger. Uh, where it really kicked it off was one blog by Dr. Freeman, which was written um, in 2018. Uh, and it was really um, an opinion piece, uh, as all blogs are. Uh, obviously, it doesn't go through scientific peer-reviewed or anything like that. Um, It was followed by a December 2018 uh, article in the Journal of American uh, Veterinary Medical Association, or it's commonly referred to in the trade as JAVMA, where, again, it it was a commentary paper. Uh, Lots of people thought it was a peer-reviewed study um, or paper, and it was not. It was actually one of uh, AVMA's first commentaries that they've had, and hopefully the last, um, because in in that commentary, um, A, most veterinarians did not realize that it was not a peer-reviewed publication. It was no different than the blog that was written earlier. Um, but B and C was it actually cited two unpublished studies. Um, and, and lastly, it cited her blog. So it had no data to support it. Um, yet it was calling out the potential association to it. And as a result, um, it started gaining momentum as far as what was going on. Um, at a certain point, uh, the FDA put out uh, a press release asking you know, veterinarians uh, to start providing um, input for what they dubbed an investigation. So they wanted to see, hey, is what this veterinary community is seeing true? um, And is there a cause and effect? Uh, And over that time, um, there was 560 cases reported in. Uh, By the time they did their July, June or July 2019 update, um, what they saw was that Uh, They could only confirm, you know, roughly 60% of the cases coming in. But more importantly, um, there was no association or cause and effect going on. And so what do I mean by that? Um, So for argument's sake, if you were feeding a canna and if there was something going on, you would expect all the cases to be, say, pork and squash. Right. But it wasn't. It was just all over the place. But yet they reported 62 or whatever the number was of a can of foods. Um, But when you look behind the data, there was no association. Um, And in fact, when you actually looked at whether or not they were boutique foods, uh, they actually weren't, they were actually made by uh, top uh, manufacturers in the U S people just didn't realize it, Um, which was a shame uh, again on how the data got represented and how the boutique word came out. Um, In fact, uh, eight of the ten manufacturers for the foods were making 220 million dollars or better a year and account for roughly 25% of of the uh, top companies. They're within the top 25, um, with the exception of Fromm. Fromm was on there, but um, they're hardly boutique because the Fromm family actually um, has been in the vet business longer than anybody else. They're actually the ones that uh discovered patented um and and ultimately launched distemper vaccines for dogs and cats and and foxes back in 1939 i think the patent was um so a lot of things were not played out in there um and more importantly the number one protein source happened to be chicken uh 75 percent of the protein sources were not uh quote-unquote exotic um, the, and the only one that resonated fairly high was Kangaroo, um, which was literally only two companies that that were in that number. Um, and I forget who, who owned what, but for argument's sake, I want to say 75% was a Zignature, 25% was California Natural. So it wasn't all Kangaroo products. And then you actually had grain foods that were uh, reported in as well, even though they asked for grain-free in the investigation. Um, And so a lot of people say, well, why wasn't any of these foods recalled? And the reality of it is is because there's no data to support it. Um, And the example I use to uh, get customers to understand it is – Um, If you think of this time last year when um, Hills was going through literally their largest recall and probably the largest recall um, since melamine for pet food industry was with their vitamin D toxicity and illness in canned foods. Well, there was just as many animals, if not more. that got sick and died from vitamin D toxicity. Well, there was a root cause. They knew the cause and effect. They knew the toxicity signs. And so it resulted in a recall. With the grain free diets, there has been no cause and effect. Um, And lastly, when you look at the breeds that were reported in, depending on who uh, looks at the data, um, it's anywhere from 50 to 75% of the breeds reported in have known predispositions to DCM. Um, And probably the most important thing to when you dive in deeper to the data, um, is you would expect, um, if if digestibility and taurine and stuff like that was the root cause of it, you would would expect to see other signs of deficiencies from taurine. Um, but more importantly, what you don't see in the data is in obviously weight management foods, the goal is to decrease calories and tank digestibility, right? That's why you put all the fiber in there, make them feel full and push a lot of the nutrients out. Um, you would expect to see a lot of weight management foods in those case studies that were reported. And there was, I think, a total of three wow. um, and the three reported didn't have carnitine or taurine added to it. Most weight management foods do, um, as we discussed in our last podcast. And so there just really is no uh foundation to support what the initial idea was there so unfortunately what started out with a small group of animals turned into hysteria through the media because of as i refer to it the the 16 brands chart um and the reality of it is is if you look at the data you know science diets on there pro plans in there um royal canons in there um there's lots of brands that go beyond it and in the case unfortunately in the case of blue buffalo when you look at that number of 31 they have six brands seven brands today but only four of them were named in there and 20 percent of them were actually grain diets Um, and so that bar that you see in that chart everybody that automatically jumped off the cliff saying, well, that's showing you all the grain free cases and dancers. No, it's showing you all the reported cases tied to that brand. Um, and so it, it's even reporting grain products in those bar charts.
1: So Ryan, I mean, we're talking about under 600 reported cases when the FDA was actively requesting reports of cases, right? So we can assume that a, many were reported that people took the time to do that, are veterinarians or, or did individuals even report?
0: Uh, typ- well, typically you could do both. Um, okay. So the way the food safety portal is set up is you as a consumer can start filling in all the information. Um, And you can always put, you know, your veterinarian's contact information or or update them when they contact you. You, One of the mistakes or misnomers out there is everybody thinks they have to have all the information to file. You don't. Um, And so you can go in there and start setting it up and give them all your contact information. And um, at least in the pet food industry it can take as little as two complaints for them to start an investigation.
1: So my question is, so we have these under 600 cases reported, right, by whether it's an individual consumer, you know, a dog owner, or whether it's a veterinarian making a report of a case on their caseload. Um, how many, do we know how many dogs approximately in the United States were eating grain-free at the time of this big it's a, problem? It's,
0: it's going to be a lot. <laughs> and so, and so, um, you know. So, are we talking
1: like, do we mean a lot like 25,000? Do we millions. mean a lot like 10 million?
0: Yeah, it'll be millions. Um, because if you actually look at the grain free marketplace in, in independent retail or pet retail, um, grain free products account for 50% of the sales. Um, and if you look at grocery channel, um, it's 20% of sales. And that's based off of Nielsen data. Um, And so if you figure, uh, you know, if you start doing the math real quickly, you're in the millions. Um, But more importantly, in 2006, uh, Sanderson actually wrote uh, a a review on DCM, um, and I forget what article it is, uh, but she reported at that point of time, and this is, you know, 2006, so keep in mind, this is pre-melamine, so grain-free wasn't even... A uh, uh, you know a spark in somebody's eye uh, in most cases is going to be either on your super high end or it would be therapeutic only. Um, so at that point of time she was quoting numbers that in a total dog population it, it could be anywhere from 0.5 percent to 1.1 percent. And so okay quick math on that. Well, if you look at a million dogs, that's 5,000 to 11,000 dogs, right? Just by default. And that's before grain-free was popular. Now, all of a sudden you tell uh, veterinarians start looking for DCM um, and more importantly, grain-free, you know, it's like, okay, well, you told them what to go look for. You shouldn't be surprised in the data that you got back. Um, right. The- but it
1: still seems like that would be crazy under, like that would, that would be assuming a huge underreportment of, cases when reporting is really easy and is being solicited. Like, it's not just that the FDA is sitting back and waiting and saying, like, well, we'll just see what people tell us about. It's my understanding they're actively pursuing case information to try to help the consumers.
0: They they were. um, And, you know, and honestly, I think they did a disservice when they did their investigation announcement. They should have said all DCM cases. Um, and then, you know, bring in all diets to see, Hey, you know, is there truly a diet effect in there? Cause for argument's sake, the fact that you got 10% that came in that were, you know, grain related cases reported, um, tells you that, Hey, there's something go- else potentially going on there. Um, and it makes it harder for you to really figure out, you know, is it truly exotic proteins? Is it truly grains? Is it truly peas? Is it, and and more importantly, no genetic testing was done on any of the animals, so you don't—they didn't even rule out genetics. Um, and there's certain things that came in where the animals had concurrent diseases. Um, for example, Lyme disease, which uh, is is known to have issues, and you know, obviously causes renal and heart issues later on in life. And so, how do you rule that out? Um, and then a lot of them had GI issues. And if you look in human medicine, uh, when you get you know, people with celiac disease and other GI-related diseases, they actually get dilated cardiomyopathy tied to carnitine deficiency. Um, And so when you actually look at those things, you're like, you know, you probably have more questions, excuse me, than answers. Um, But more importantly, when you also dive into the data, uh, the taurine levels were all over the place, um, regardless of breed. So you had low taurine, middle taurine, high taurine, um, the question is, is, you know, it, it, is that even accurate because, you know, do we know what a normal is for a golden retriever? And based off that UC Davis study, they questioned that. Um, and so what we might think is, um, you know, high for them might be a norm for them. Um, and, you know, for a poodle, what's what we consider low. That might be their norm. Um, you know, I don't think people really know those answers either. Um, and. You know, and when you ask people, do you have to take a fasting or after feeding, taurine, nobody can ever give me those answers. And I also know that how you send them to the lab matters, because if it's not refrigerated and stored properly, by default, you have degradation in the blood. And so you could be getting false lows, if you will. Um, And so, you know, which is also brought up in that UC Davis study.
1: So when families are going to their vets, suddenly this conversation about, well, what kind of food are you feeding comes up. And I'm getting, it's anecdotal, but I'm getting lots of reports by the customers I'm coming in contact with that their veterinarians are really, really pushing them off of foods that they really felt like they were feeding those foods because they thought they were higher quality. They thought that they were blessing their animals and, and, they're like, no, 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 you, you can't do this. You can't do that. And they're pushing people kind of toward the Purina science diet, Royal Canaan foods. What, what do families need to know?
0: So, um, like we talked about in our, our other podcast, it's, you know, people really need to become their own advocates for their, um, dogs and cats. And so, you know, the, the challenge, and, and this is part of my frustration that I've seen and witnessed, and and obviously, you know, with when neighbors and friends know what you do for a living, you get a phone call real quick when, you know, they, they have a suspected DCM or other things. But, you know, one family down the street, uh, and I'll give two examples— you know, they went into a local vet that I know um, and he actually feeds raw, but his uh, his associate actually waited on him. And so the conversation would have been completely different because her bedside manner just isn't up to snuff. I would and I'll leave it at that is, um, you know, they came in and they, you know, dog was coughing and everything. And they thought, you know, dog had um, some kind of respiratory issue. So they immediately treated with antibiotics Um, Dogs still had the issues. Um, And so they did an x-ray and saw an enlarged heart and immediately the veterinarian jumped to, uh, well, are you feeding grain free? It's probably uh, DCM tied to grain free foods. And so obviously, and this is where, you know, I I caution veterinarians is you got to be careful with what you say, because if you don't have the right answer and you can't show it and you can't answer it, you send home those consumers upset thinking they're killing FIDO, right? And in in this case, they called me up. I asked, did they run blood taurine, blood carnitine? Uh, When are they setting up the echocardiogram to see if there's a, if there's truly an arrhythmia going on and if it's truly DCM to confirm it because they weren't cardiologists, it was a traditional vet. Um, and long story short, she didn't answer any of those questions. And one, the other question I asked was how many nutritional related DCM cases have you seen this year or more importantly DCM cases? And the answer was, this was the first one. So it was like, well, why did you immediately jump to grain free? And so, once all the testing was said and done, come to find out the dog just has an enlarged heart. Um, and it wasn't DCM and they ruled out that it wasn't nutritionally related, but yet because of the the backlog we have up here in the Northeast and there's only so many specialists up here, they went through three weeks of thinking that they were killing their dog. And literally uh, my friend's wife was crying every night over it because she was counting days because if you, you know, don't ever like I always tell people don't go on the internet looking up symptoms <laughs> of what you have because you're always going to see the bad stuff on the front end. Right. And never the educational part. Well,
1: right. unfortunately,
0: you know, she, she thought she was hurting her dog, um, a different vet, um, two counties North of me. Um, and I talk that way cause I've been living in the South for a while. So instead of towns are hour away. Um, but, they immediately went to, it. It's they asked a the question, are you feeding grain-free? Well, it's, it's DCM. Well, when all the testing and stuff came back, it was pancreatitis. It had nothing to do with the heart. And it's like, so actually, a lot of these people, because they read that commentary in JAVMA that took it as a scientifically peer-reviewed article that they immediately started going that way. And so why, back to your question, are they only recommending Hills, Royal Canaan, and Purina? Well, that's what, um, they're accustomed to that's what they've been taught uh, school wise. Um, and you know, obviously they have the therapeutic brands and stuff in there. the The misconception that a lot of veterinarians have is that they're all quote unquote wasava compliant. And Wasava is the world's small animal veterinary association. I believe they're based out of Canada. but it was actually founded by those three companies to say, here's the criteria for a good food. Um, And if you actually look at it, um, it'll tell you, hey, they should be doing AFCO feeding studies. Well, if you actually look at a lot of the Hills products, Purina products, and Royal Canin products, they actually say formulated to be complete and balanced. They make the assumption that all of their foods have been AFCO tested where they haven't been. Um, And more importantly, part of Wasava is you're supposed to have proper procedures in place from a food safety and quality standpoint. Well, based off of what we know from the Hills recall that they had in 2019, an FDA warning letter that was sent out to them in, I believe, November of of last year, the root cause of the vitamin D issue was Hills was not following their own standard operating procedures and protocols. And in the letter, warning letter that the FDA gave to Hills, where Hills tried to blame it on the supplier, It was, no, you didn't test inbound ingredients and you didn't test finished goods is the gist of it, right? Uh, But more importantly, when they sent their corrective actions to the FDA, in the FDA warning letter, the FDA clearly states, well, we don't know if these are corrective actions because you weren't following them to begin with. So we're going to have to come back and do an unannounced audit to make sure you're actually adhering to that. So if they're a Wasava brand – And you're violating one of the key things for Wasava. Well, you shouldn't be a Wasava brand anymore. And so that's where the BS of Wasava brands come in is just because you could check the boxes that that group, all they do is they give you a checklist. There's no teeth or anything binding to quote unquote, being a Wasava brand. And there's lots of other companies out there that are technically Wasava compliant. For example, our company is because I'm a board certified nutritionist. I formulate all the foods, but you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, all veterinarians know that because obviously I don't have the the a the time or the, the the budget to go be educating all these veterinarians. Um, and obviously I'm not going to be paying for scholarships and and residencies and all the other stuff that that, that goes with it. And, and feeding
1: so, their dogs for free.
0: It, yeah. In <laughs> case of Prina, if they feed them for free, the other two are discounts. Um, you know, some of them. You know, if you, if you look at the veterinary clinics, literally they're named the Purina Nutrition Center um, and obviously have all their therapeutics and foods there. So whether they want to acknowledge and they'll get, and, and veterinarians will get pissy about it and say, well, I wasn't bought by them. You, you might not, you, you probably weren't, but you don't understand there might be an underlying bias to or towards it. And it's easier to take people to go back to, what you know or what you were taught or old school thinking Mm -hmm. versus learning all the different foods that are out there and why people are doing it. And so like when I, for example, when I talked um, in the last podcast about gluten-free foods may not be for the dog at all. It could be for that household that has the kid that has a gluten sensitivity, right? And in this day and age, seems like it's either that or peanuts. Um, But the reality of it is they have the right to have a dog or cat. Um, they don't want gluten in the house. So there's a purpose for it. It might not be for the dog. It's a, it's a good food. It's a healthy food, but that gluten free claim m- might not have anything to do with the dog. In some cases it has everything to do with the lifestyle of the person, but yet the veterinarian being very scientific minded as I am, um, will go, well, there's no need for gluten free foods. So that brand sucks. And they dismiss them as a brand totally, instead of trying to understand, well, why is why are you Mr. Mrs. Client feeding a grain free food? Why are you feeding a gluten free food? Why are you feeding raw? Why are you doing this and that and the other thing? Um, And, you know, that's, that's the shame in that. And so, you know, by default, they end up going back to what, you know, instead of stepping up their game and becoming uh, what I would call nutritional authorities, um, which they're no longer. And they haven't been for quite some time. Um, In fact, if you look at, Dr. Ro Millard's um, data, and more importantly, what recently came out by Cascadia Capital, veterinarians haven't been uh, authority leaders in nutrition for at least six, seven, eight years, um, and it's actually been uh, pet stores and independent pet retailers.
2: I would agree. I would agree. Uh, I was just going to say that um, th- that is a, was a very uh, hit locally we had a a veterinarian in our area and I remember when I went to first see him and I was talking about nutrition and wanting to do raw and he was like, why you want to do that? Why don't you do this? And so on and so forth. And I just walked away and did what I wanted to do for my dog. Turns out his wife decided to open a pet store in the house next door to where his veterinary clinic is. And she started doing research. And pretty soon he's all on board about, you know, good nutrition and everything that is in that particular pet food store has been recommended by the whole dog journal. Uh, they try to stay on top of things. They were going to try and do raw, but they just couldn't handle the, the freezer capacity that they thought they would need and that kind of stuff. Sure. But they are no longer saying don't feed raw. And they're no longer saying, you know, this is the only brand. And in fact, they're no longer recommending Hills, Purina and Royal Canaan. And so I kind of feel like sometimes, um, I understand that that vets have a lot, that there's an awful lot to learn. They also don't know much about behavior. Many of them, you know, they'll turn to, like my vet, who is no longer this particular one, um, he'll say, Julie, you're the expert on behavior. You know, we work together with clients. And I sometimes think there's an awful lot of pressure on veterinarians to be everything. Not only do you have to be a clinician and you have to be, you know, a doctor and you have to be, you know, a compassionate person as I'm dealing with the death of my dog or whatever, they can't be everything. So I, I was really appreciative of the fact that the vet's wife stepped in and said, let's do this and let's do this right. So um, I, I agree with you. I think vets need to be better educated, but I also have a little bit of sympathy for them that they're asked to do so much.
1: Oh, I absolutely like, like I agree. And to a certain extent, when I'm talking to families, I talk about like, okay, when you go to the dentist, what kind of like these companies, companies are smart, right? They're, they're trying to make as much money as they can. They're trying to get as much market share as they can. And so they're smart about it. Um, you know, if, if a specific toothpaste company is providing free samples to every dentist so that they can say four out of 5 dentists recommend this that lends credibility to their brand whether or not that credibility is deserved and and i think in the in animal related industries i kind of sort of see the same thing like i had one veterinarian say well i you know i have a specialty in poultry and this company makes a really great poultry feed. So then I assume they make a great dog and cat food.
0: Night, night and day. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: I was just kind of
0: yeah, stunned, yeah.
1: right? When yeah. Just because you make a feed, good monkey chow
2: doesn't mean you're gonna make a good dog chow.
1: <laughs> right, and so, so for me, where I started on this whole journey was looking at ingredients. And learning mm-hmm. what those ingredients are and what they mean. And and then making a decision about, am I comfortable feeding animal digest to my dogs? Is there Are my dogs paying a cost to eating that? Um, and I think it's hard for families to find good, credible information. And I don't want to be contentious with vets. I love vets. Some of my favorite people on the planet are veterinarians. But I, I agree. Like they don't get a ton of information about um, behavior. I, I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing vets say, "Hey, add more, you know, broccoli and carrot and whole egg and venison to your dog's food. It'll be great for them." And I don't. I just don't understand where that disconnect is. That fresh food is somehow horrible and dangerous i mean to my knowledge broccoli doesn't it's not harmful to a for a family to feed some broccoli and some zucchini and chicken on top of a good quality kibble to enhance the nutrition for a family dog
0: yeah i i, I agree i think um you know dr karen becker's quotes is is you know one of my favorites is um the, the gist of it is is uh, her field or medical profession is – f- her field of medical profession is the only group out there that says processed foods is better than fresh foods. Um, so, you know, it's, it says a lot right there. Um, but – you know the reality of it is is you know they 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 take a and the good ones will tell you um you know and they there's no shame in their game they'll tell you they don't know when they don't know and stuff like that and they're not always going to have the answers even though they feel that they have to um the ones I like are the ones that say I don't know um right. and I've had those before and then say, it hey, hey, yes. and, and, and <laughs> they say depends yes yeah That's my big phrase
2: is it's depends. Yeah, it depends
0: it depends. And then what they do is they say, but we're going to run these diagnostics first, and hopefully it tells us it's this or that, and if that doesn't work, we'll run these diagnostics. And and they they explain to you as they're going through, um, and they're having a discussion, right, and they're willing to say, I don't know, we need to run this and that and the other. But the good ones will also tell you that they when they took nutrition, and the only nutrition they took would be the equivalent of freshman year in college, so their first year of vet school, it was probably a three-hour semester hour course and then they don't talk about it again unless you want to go into that field to get a phd and and board certification so on and so forth and so you know with that being said at the same time they'll they'll say well somebody needs to teach me well the smaller companies don't have the budget to be going out and teaching and they don't have the budget to run marketing campaigns and advertising either and so you know Back in the days of when I worked at Blue Buffalo, a lot of them would say, well, you're just a marketing company. And I, I would laugh. I said, well, so is Hills. They just chose to market to you instead of to the consumer. Because instead of the millions of dollars going to TV ads, they were doing millions of dollars towards feeding programs to, to sponsoring societies, to sponsoring uh, conferences and everything else. And so they just focused a different way to do their marketing and advertising spend. Um, and so – you know, it's one of those you just got to keep in mind and, and, you know, when you're your own advocate for your pet food, um, you know, I think, you, you know, you bring in the information forward to your vet on what your food is and why you're feeding it, you know, helps in that discussion um, instead of it being kind of one-sided and you going, oh, my God, I need to go feed Science Diet um, because they're not going to know why you're feeding what you're feeding or, or better yet. um you know, how to even compare your food, because if they don't know what you're feeding, they're going to go with what they know. Um, and so uh, in that case, you know, there's going to be consumers that are more educated than the vet on uh, nutrition and and that's fine. Um, but it's also their duty to share that knowledge and help educate if they think, you know, and have that discussion with a veterinarian. And I don't think people realize that they can have that open discussion Um, and it's no different, like I always tell people, it's no different in human medicine. You know, it's you could, you can have those discussions, you know, should I go on this cholesterol med, this med, or, you know, should I stop drinking beer and eat healthier? Um, you know, that, that, that's a discussion everybody has in human medicine and it's the same discussion you can have in veterinary as well.
1: Right. So, so if, if we had to make guesses, and maybe you're not willing to do this, which is totally okay too. If we had to make guesses about why this DCM thing blew up, like was it political? Was it just a big emotional overreaction? Was it a was it sadly about market share? Like what do we what do we think this whole thing was? It much a due to about nothing. Like what what do we think that all was?
0: Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Uh, <laughs> You know, it it was a perfect storm, Um, you know, and uh, unfortunately, you know, when you look at um, the popular press that came out after the 2019 update and obviously walked you through on how, you know, large breeds were involved, uh, it wasn't grain-free specific, it surely wasn't exotic proteins, it surely wasn't boutique brands, and even the quote unquote Wasava brands were listed on there if you dive deeper into the data um, unfortunately and more importantly that 16 companies graph wasn't just grain free foods it was also grain foods the thing that really took off is popular press saw that graph and the headlines pretty much you know paraphrasing is grain free dogs is killing grain free foods killing your dogs because of heart disease and that's where popular press ran with it Um, And if you look around that timing and how New York Times and other, even on NBC Nightly News, it made it um, and, you know, stuff like that typically doesn't make it to nightly news, um, especially when you got things like North Korea building nuclear bombs. And well, now it would be all coronavirus, probably wouldn't even bubble up. (laughs) But, um, you know, it it made for good headlines. Um, And when you see something that does that, um, obviously, you go back to discussions we've had, now people act emotionally instead of rationally, and they think, oh, my God, I'm killing my dog. And the vet thinks, oh, my God, you're killing your dog, where nobody stopped to actually look at the data and say, this data doesn't show anything, and stop and ask the question, well, if if this was truly going on, why is there no recalls going on, well, right?
1: that was a right. great question. Like, w- would the FDA do a recall if they saw data that said specifically, yes, this is a causation.
0: Absolutely. Um, And and that's exactly what they did with vitamin D, right, Uh, with Hill's canned products starting in January 2019. And then when the FDA actually, and everybody says it was a voluntary recall, well, no recalls are ever voluntary. Um, The FDA says you're doing a recall, and if you don't do it, then it's forced.
1: (laughs) It's it's like taxes. Yeah. It's only voluntary to a point.
0: Yeah, it, until five years later, they catch you and they throw you in jail. And then and then it's no longer voluntary. Um, but, you know, in that case, if you actually read what the, the warning letter and the documents that the FDA had, the FDA kept on going back to Hills and saying, no, we don't think you got all the lots that were involved. Go further out go further out. And that's why they had a second recall tied to it, a third recall tied to it, I think only three recalls, but that was because the FDA was saying, you need to look further out to see where the issue truly ends and starts. Um, And so, you know, in that case, cause and effect gone, right? Think melamine, cause and effect recalls, right? So if there's a cause and effect, out it goes. Salmonella, out it goes, right? And in this case, there is no cause and effect. In fact, if you actually look at the question and answer sections of the FDA, the FDA says, we don't recommend you changing your food at this time, nor do we recommend saying that green, or do, do we have data to say that grain-free food is bad because we also saw foods come in that contained grains as well. So,
1: so then why are vets saying, like sending out these letters to their customers saying, oh, this guy is falling? Because they watch the nightly news.
0: That and also a lot of them, uh, when I did, the, when I was at the Veterinary Meeting Expo and I presented my slides to them and I put up that 2018 article from JAVMA that talked about the association of bag foods to DCM, I asked how many people have read this. Everybody in the room raised their hands. I said, how many people this time started suggesting everybody move away from grain free? Everybody raised their hands. And then I asked the question, how many people think this is scientifically peer reviewed article? Everybody raised their hands. Um, And when I said, well, let's dive deeper. And I said, and I went to the next slide where I literally highlighted the word commentary, explained what it was. I highlighted unpublished, highlighted unpublished. And then I highlighted the blog that were the three points that led you to the belief that there were. I said, this isn't scientifically peer reviewed. This is purely commentary. And I said, more importantly, the unpublished data that they walk you through in that JAVMA article, I said, we're actually going to go to that UC Davis study and, and look at that data. Um, and with those golden retrievers, the, the dogs that they had, none of them were on large breed foods. Um, they were all regular adult foods. So they're not probably getting carnitine or taurine added to them, which most large breed adult foods have. And secondly, What a lot of people don't realize is out of that group, which never makes it out there, is four of the dogs actually switched to another grain-free food and didn't have issues. And so what happened in that study, and they didn't mention what the foods were, by the way. But what happened in that study is not only did they switch foods, they also gave them heart medication, carnitine, and taurine supplementation. So you don't know. So we don't know what the cause if it was taurine deficiency, if it was carnitine deficiency, it, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. And they never did genetic testing on them. Um, and so the, they left more questions than answers. But if you actually read the article, the article points all that out as a good scientifically peer-reviewed article does. It says, hey, here's what we have. They literally say that there is no cause and effect here. We believe it's multifactorial being uh, potentially tied to diet, metabolism, and genetics, and and then they'd go through and list out here's all the pitfalls and shortcomings of it. But yet when the JAVMA article came out, they've only focused on 24 dogs for eating bag diets and had DCM. Well, that's what they selected for in the study. And it's like and that's the other part I tell people is don't take somebody's word for it. Go look at that other study and read it because they could be picking pieces out to support their cause.
1: So in that vein, Ryan, right? What if people say, okay, well, this is all just Ryan's opinion. Who else? What other veterinary nutrition board-certified, well-educated people in the industry are other scientists that they can go to to check what you're saying and to make sure what you're saying is accurate?
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, one person that's out there, and he's actually presented um, at the IPP. E Expo in I want to say is a few weeks after I presented at VMX is Dr. Joe Varges. He's double board certified uh, in internal medicine as well as nutrition. Um, he's at
1: UGA, isn't he?
0: He is. He is, um, and you know he he's very much at a mindset as as I am. The data is the data. Show people the data. Let people draw their own conclusions. Um, and he literally presented similar deal. Um, And to his credit, which, you know, I agree with it is, you know, the problem is an industry and an FDA problem, not a a grain free problem. Um, And so meaning the FDA screwed up on how they represented the data going out the door. Um, they should have done it as the PDF, like they did with the jerky data back in 2011, where it was really tied to three or four major brands coming out of China. Um, yet they never made a bar graph there, which would have simplified it for everybody. And there was tied to three or four brands. Um, and you know, and from that standpoint, you you know, the fact that the industry has not responded to say, you know what I'm Mr. Champion and I make a Canon origin and I feed, you know, 20 million dogs a year, my food, and, you know, there were 60 animals, you know, nobody came out and made those types of statements. And so he's correct when he said it's a pet food industry issue because those brands never took the time to respond and figured they'd just bury their heads in the sand and it would go away while other brands obviously thrived off of it because they had veterinary recommendations being pushed in through Purina, Royal Canin, and, and, uh, Hills.
1: It's kind of infuriating.
0: Uh, it, it is when there's no science there to back it up. Um, you know, fortunately, I'm a geek, so I actually looked at all, all 78 pages that got reported in. Um, and fortunately, I know Dan Shuloff, who actually um, did Freedom of Information Act to get all, and I read them all, too. I want to say it was like 1,500 pages of emails and documents tied to the DCM Uh Investigation, um, and you know he'll he'll have some interesting things coming out. But even in that data, it doesn't support anything. Um, again, if if it if it was, they would say, hey, uh, there's a recall, or we need to look at you know, for argument's sake, we need to go look at pea farmers um, and see how they're treating. Why are certain pea products on there and not others? Because there's lots of um, if you look at, and again in the Nielsen data. If you look at uh, kibble, 45% of kibble out there is grain free. So you're feeding a lot of kibble, right? If you think about it. Um, So there's lots of healthy animals on those kibble diets. But when you get into the alternative dry, and that includes um, uh, freeze dried, air dried, dehydrated, 95% of those foods are grain free. Well, why are you not seeing the issues in the other dried foods? Or better yet, no canned foods were named in that list, and 52% of that market share is in canned foods. Traditional, you know, retorted cans is grain-free. So if it's a grain-free problem, why isn't it not showing up in other food forms?
1: Those are great right. questions. Those are great questions. Well, now, and is it showing up? And is it showing up in other countries? I mean, we're not the only, we're not the only country that does grain-free.
0: Uh, if you talk to people in Canada and stuff like that, the answer will be no. Um, so, you know, but it depends on what vets are trying to look for it, but no, we're the only, we're the only country where, uh, federally there was, they were investigating and looking at, um, and it was, when you look at the emails, it was actually being pushed by three people. Uh, but you'll, you'll see that in upcoming press releases and stuff.
1: Right. Well, I want to thank you for coming and, giving us information. Uh, Hold on. Julie's got something. Yeah. I just wanted to say um, if you um, Ryan could provide us with some links that we can put on the
2: website that people want to take a look at some of this stuff themselves, we would be happy to put that on the website so that they can do some of their own investigation. So we'll make sure that those links are there. And uh, And we'd
1: love to have you back when there's more information coming forward. And, and I'm sure that we'll get some listener reviews of people asking questions and um, we'll hit you up for some answers.
0: Yeah, and just uh, one thing I'll, I'll leave you with is um, the FDA, no matter what you read in the papers or on Facebook, the FDA, AFCO, or um, what's the other, or AKC, those three organizations never recommend foods. Um, in fact, if you actually go on the website for FDA and AFCO, they will—they literally, FDA, in FDA's cases, big bold letters, we do not recommend food. Same with AFCO um, and what you'll see is another one where a list of 16 brands are, and you'll see an uh, AKC link on there. If you actually click on that AKC link, um, their veterinarian says there is no cause and effect, uh, with grain-free diets. And, and in fact, you know, FDA is working with other people to see if there is. Um, so the person that put that, list of 16 together with that AKC link, uh, they're they're misleading people. And so when you actually click on it and see what the verbiage is, uh, they are, aren't even recommending changing foods or recommending any foods, period. Um, and so a lot of people tr- are unfortunately playing off of fear versus facts. Um, but that's something for everybody to keep in mind is those three organizations will never recommend foods as A. Uh, You know, it puts them at legal and liability risks and B, you know, you know, they're supposed to be, quote, unquote, um, not private companies and doing recommendations. Right. Right. And so from that standpoint, that's the other thing to keep in mind.
1: Well, thank you so much. I hope you'll come back and talk to us about advertising claims and how to dig through all of that stuff with pet food. But we will leave that for another day.
0: Sounds good. Thanks for all you're
1: doing to serve all the the families and dogs. We we greatly appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit
1: www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.